Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington. And this week on Face the Nation, could the fragile temporary troops between Israel and Hamas hold? And does it signal we're near the end of this brutal war? For the first weekend in almost two months, relief and joy in Israel, with more than two dozen hostages returning home as part of a deal with Hamas in exchange for Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. We'll bring you an exclusive interview with one of the deal's architects, the Prime Minister of Qatar, on the fate of the remaining hostages and just how long this truce could last. Plus, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and a look at the global consequences of Gaza's humanitarian crisis with the leaders of two of the UN's aid organizations. Finally, back home, we'll check in on Congress's sprawling year-end to-do list, including a border deal that could tighten asylum rules. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. And welcome to Face the Nation. It is day three of the brief pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas, and a third group of hostages is expected to be released today by Hamas in exchange for Israel releasing Palestinian prisoners and allowing in humanitarian aid to Gaza. Hamas has given the list of 13 hostages to Israel for review, and multiple sources tell CBS News that an American name is on that list. The truce, negotiated by Qatar and the U.S., is expected to last for at least four days, and it's unclear at this hour what will happen this week on day five. We'll have an exclusive interview with the Prime Minister of Qatar in a moment. First, here's the latest from Imtiaz Tayyib in the West Bank. After seven weeks in captivity, freedom for a second group of hostages, including nine-year-old Irish-Israeli Emily Hand, who was initially presumed dead, now in her father's arms. Just one of many overjoyed reunions. In all, 13 Israelis, six women and seven children, and four Thai nationals were released last night. And 39 Palestinian prisoners, six women and 33 children, including these teenage boys who were given a hero's welcome in the occupied West Bank. Since the start of the agreement, a total of 41 hostages have been released and 78 Palestinian prisoners. But there were fears on Saturday the fragile deal between Israel and Hamas was close to collapse after it was delayed for hours when Hamas accused the Israeli military of repeatedly violating the terms of the agreement, forcing Egyptian and Qatari mediators to intervene. While in Gaza, the pause in violence allowed war-weary Palestinians to return to their homes in the north of the Strip, only to find entire city blocks gutted by airstrikes. Hamas leaders said Israeli forces had been preventing aid trucks from entering the area, a stark reminder of how brittle the truce agreement is, as Israel continues to vow it will resume its campaign to destroy Hamas after the pause. 
Despite the growing international pressure for a longer break in the bombardment, that has so far killed almost 15,000 Palestinians, according to the Hamas-run Palestinian Ministry of Health, and has displaced over a million more, many of whom have fled to the relative safety of the south of Gaza, where CBS News producer Marwan Al-Ghul reports. The feelings of the people here in the south, actually it's mixed because they could see each others and very sad too. They heard that they lost their houses, they lost everything. There is still some optimism that the four-day break in hostilities could be extended after Israel offered to prolong the ceasefire by an extra day for every 10 more hostages released. And Israel has already received the names of the next 13 hostages that are due to be released. And Hamas has been alerted of the names of the 39 other Palestinian prisoners. While in Gaza, for the first time since the war began, a Qatari delegation has entered the Palestinian territory, Margaret, the first foreign diplomats to do so. Imtiaz Tayyib reporting from the West Bank. We're joined now by the Prime Minister and Foreign Minister of Qatar, Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdurrahman Al Thani. It is his first interview since Qatar helped broker this hostage deal between Hamas and Israel. Qatar has also facilitated getting Americans stuck in Gaza out of the region. Good morning to you, sir. Well, thank you very much for having me, Margaret. Uh, Sheikh, the, the White House told us that at least one American is expected to be released by Hamas today. You've seen the list of hostages. Will we see four-year-old Abigail Idan released today? And are you confident this exchange will happen? Well, uh, so far, things are moving in the right direction. We've been working very closely with the U.S. government, with the White House, of course, and uh, we are hoping that uh, we will see the release happening shortly. And uh, within the list, they include uh, Abigail, the young girl, four years old. Will we see more Americans released soon? Well, we are hopeful, actually. Uh, there are uh, still uh, some names uh, which are supposed to be uh, on the first group. Until now, we didn't get the confirmation yet. But, uh, you know, we are working on a daily basis and uh, making sure that uh, every day we have the list of the next day. So uh, we are hopeful that to have uh, to have a confirmation of, you know, a proof of life for them and hopefully uh, uh, the release at, at the end of the agreement. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, things are happening on a daily basis and uh, we are focused on today's operation and hopefully that will happen very shortly from now. Well, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, I understand a Qatari delegation visited Israel yesterday and Gaza today. Do you expect that this four-day truce will be extended? And if so, for how long? Well, well actually, we are, we are hopeful. According to uh, uh, the agreement that uh, being agreed upon uh, in the last few days for this uh, four days uh, pause, uh, the agreement has a provision that uh, if Hamas are, will be able to prove, uh, to locate and secure some of the hostages that are within uh, the criteria of the first group, which is women and children, then it will be uh, extended, depends on, on the number that they will have. Uh, this is something we cannot confirm yet until we get uh, to the fourth day, uh, then uh, Hamas should uh, present the list if they are available with them. Uh, our delegation who have uh, reached to Israel and uh, uh, to Gaza, they are totally two separate delegation. Uh, Gaza delegation is focused on ensuring that humanitarian aid are sufficient, that they are going, uh, the humanitarian aid that's going in Gaza, and it's a pure humanitarian mission. Do you know where Yahya Sinwar, the Hamas commander believed to have planned these attacks, is right now? Well, uh, I don't think that this information uh, is available with anyone except, you know, the people who are close to him. And this is an information really that doesn't uh, relate much to uh, what we are doing right now and uh, uh, on the ongoing negotiations. Our communication uh, throughout the years that we had with Hamas has been 
very exclusive to uh, the political wing and uh, the political representatives in, in the office here in Doha, and that's it. And uh, we don't deal directly with uh, or ha never have any dealing with the military wing. Mm -hmm. Well, Qatar is home to the uh, very large U.S. military base. Qatar is a, a major non-NATO U.S. ally. But in this country, a number of Republican lawmakers in particular um, have publicly called for your country to hand over those Hamas political leaders. What is the future? Will they remain in Qatar? Margaret, our relation with the U.S. is, is a very solid relationship and alliance that uh, been established throughout the decades. Uh, we've been working together very closely in ensuring peace and stability in the region. And in several occasions, Qatar has been always stepping up to this partnership. And uh, uh, if you recall Afghanistan and currently right now, we've been working very closely with the White House, with the CIA and State Department to ensure that uh, this deal is happening. Uh, the President of the United States is in constant contact with His Highness the Emir, and I've been in constant co communication with our colleagues in the White House, CIA, and State Department as well. Uh, uh, there is a relation that's based on trust, based on mutual interest of, of both countries. This office, when it's established, it's established in coordination uh, with the U.S. to establish the communication with Hamas, and it's been always useful not only for the U.S., but for the U.S., Israel, and for the stability uh, of the region. And uh, uh, as long as this is something useful, and also, uh, you know, uh, uh, right now we are in the middle of the negotiation, we will always keep the communication open with everyone. Do you see an opportunity in this short truce to have some kind of diplomatic agreement to end the conflict? And will Qatar play a role in the future of Gaza? Well, our relationship, Margaret, uh, is with the Palestinian people, with the Palestinian cause. Our support for the Palestinian people has been ongoing for decades. And this is what Qatar stood for. Whoever is governing the Palestinians, it's their choice. And uh, uh, I believe that uh, our focus right now is how to end this war, how to ensure that this is not repeated. And the only way to ensure that this is not repeated is to resolve it peacefully, to have a political solution, and provide the Palestinian people with a political horizon for, for a state. And then uh, the day after, and who will govern Gaza? Gaza and the West Bank should be one unit, one country, under one leadership that will be chosen by the Palestinian people. Prime Minister, I appreciate your time in the middle of this intense diplomacy. We will be watching and hoping for progress. Thank you very much, Margaret, for having me. A source with knowledge tells CBS that a group of hostages was just handed over to the Red Cross. We'll be following that. We spoke earlier this morning with White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan before the prime minister and asked him whether the U.S. could confirm Americans are on the list to be released. Well, Margaret, we do have reason to believe that Americans will be released today. Uh, at least one American will be released today. I cannot confirm uh, who it will be or that it will absolutely happen because until we see that American out of Gaza in safety and ultimately in the hands of their loved ones, we won't have full confirmation. And so uh, we have been in close touch with the Israeli authorities, with Qatar, uh, with Egypt, and we do have reason to believe that there will be an American release today, but let's wait and see what actually happens uh, because, of course, we are dealing with a terrorist group here and we can't immediately trust we have to verify. Understood. Um, and, but as part of that diplomacy, this is that delicate exchange, Palestinian prisoners, aid going in. Are all those other pieces on track today? Well, there continues to be quite a bit of intensity around the logistics of the delivery of humanitarian assistance. Uh, that humanitarian assistance is flowing. It has been flowing for several hours this morning. The Israelis have indicated the list of Palestinian prisoners they're prepared to release, so that should be on track. We have every reason to believe that this will come together again today. It has for the last two days. But implementation of something as intricate and complicated as this is difficult. I know this first phase of the deals focused on women and children. There are 10 Americans unaccounted for at this point. 
Um, do you anticipate this truce will be extended and that all the Americans, including the men, will come home? I have every confidence that ultimately all of the Americans and all of the individuals being held hostage will come home. We are determined not to rest until that happens. But whether or not this particular deal gets extended, that's really up to Hamas, because Israel has been very clear as part of the deal. It is prepared to continue the pause in fighting for every day that Hamas produces an additional 10 hostages. Mm -hmm. So the ball is in Hamas's court. If Hamas chooses on the fifth day and the sixth day and the seventh day to continue to produce hostages, to return them to their loved ones, to return them to safety, then Israel is prepared to continue the pause in the fighting. If Hamas decides not to do it, the responsibility will, request, will rest squarely on Hamas's shoulders. Your deputy, John Finer, was on Face the Nation last Sunday and told us Israel believes Hamas leaders are hiding in the south of Gaza. Combat operations are planned for that area, but he said they should be held off until civilians are accounted for in Israel's military planning. Is the U.S. satisfied with the assurances provided by Israel? Well, really, this is about uh, operations uh, and not just about conversations. So uh, what the United States is hoping to see, and frankly, what I believe Israel is hoping to see, is the conditions being set whereby any military action only takes place after civilians uh, have been accounted for and have the opportunity to be in safety, to have access to humanitarian assistance, and to be out of the way of any military operation that is conducted. That's the conversation we're having with the Israelis right now. It's a constructive conversation, and the details of it will remain behind closed doors. But the basic notion that continuing military operations should learn lessons from the North to be applied in, in any further undertakings, this is something that we have been discussing with the Israelis at length. President Biden was asked uh, this past week about the call by some of his fellow Democrats uh, to put conditions on military aid to Israel. And he said it was, quote, a worthwhile thought. What specific conditions are you considering putting on U.S. aid? Well, Margaret, what the president actually said was it's a worthwhile thought, but the approach that I've taken, I, Joe Biden, have taken uh, has actually helped generate results. It has been high level presidential diplomacy, well, deep, he personal and oftentimes it wouldn't have private us where engagement we are now. that has led to a deep personal and private engagement that has led to uh, a substantial and increasing amount of humanitarian assistance going into Gaza. Thousands of foreign nationals, including American citizens, being able to depart safely from Gaza, a pause in the fighting for the first time since the conflict began, and a hostage deal that is bringing hostages home to their loved ones after 50 days. That has all been the result of what President Biden has described as the approach that he has taken in this conflict. And when he answered that question, he acknowledged the idea, but then he said in the same breath that the approach that he has taken is what has been generating results. Are you saying that what the president was indicating was no, there won't be any restrictions? No, uh, we all saw what he said. He acknowledged the so idea. So there might be restrictions? And then he said, but the approach I'm taking, Margaret, the president made clear in his comments that he thought the approach that he is taking is the approach that has generated the results that we have seen so far. And he is going to continue to engage in exactly that kind of diplomacy. In fact, he has okay. a call set up for today with Prime Minister Netanyahu. And I think you will see the United States continue to do what we have been doing, and particularly President Biden continue to do what he is doing, because that is what is generating results. Okay, because uh, Senator Sanders has an op-ed in the New York Times making very specific uh, demands in terms of restrictions on aid, saying there should be a freeze on settlement expansion in the West Bank, a commitment to a two-state solution. Are those reasonable things to require of the Israeli government before additional aid is handed over? Nobody has been a stronger advocate for a two-state solution than President Joe Biden, who has been speaking about it understood in the, the Israeli the current Israeli government has, done has so not publicly been. as well as privately. And as far as uh, the president is concerned, this is the sine qua non of a lasting peace in the region. We need to see a two-state solution, Israelis and Palestinians in equal measures of freedom and dignity, living side by side, one another in peace. Do you think this is a moment for that diplomacy, given what Prime Minister Netanyahu has said, given what some members of his government have said? We believe that this is absolutely a moment 
for us to be working with everyone in the region, the Israeli government, the Palestinians, uh, Arab countries, our European partners, others, towards a two-state solution. And President Biden laid that out in detail in an op-ed that he wrote in the Washington Post not long ago. So the answer to your question is yes, we do think this is a moment for that kind of diplomacy. Jake Sullivan, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. And Faith Nation will be back in a moment. Stay with us. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We go now to the Commissioner General of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, Philippe Lazzarini. Welcome back to Face the Nation. Good morning, Amanda. I understand you're joining us from Amman, Jordan, this morning. Um, Roughly 108 of your staff members in Gaza have been killed, according to your reports. That's the highest number of U.N. workers killed in the history of the United Nations. We are very sorry for your loss. Um, I'm wondering, given that you are sharing your location coordinates with both parties, why is there still such a high death toll? Yes, Margaret, this is definitely a devastating news, and the United Nations never, ever lost uh, as many uh, staff in uh, such a short period in the conflict. Now, it is also true, Margaret, that uh, about 70 of our locations, sheltering more than 1 million people, have been hit since the beginning of the conflict, and we had about 200 people who have been killed, plus 100 injured. And this despite the fact that we are constantly deconflicting and notifying the Israeli authorities, but also the de facto and the Hamas, about our location. So uh, who is hitting these locations? I've seen your own UN reports that say uh, you discovered some UNRWA schools have been used for military purposes, Israeli tanks nearby. You've also seen weapon storage in some of these facilities. Is that Hamas? We will definitely need to have an investigation about all these uh, allegations. For the time being, we are in no position to determine who has been behind each of the incidents we have reported until now. But clearly here, this has been a blatant disregard of international humanitarian law, a blatant disregard of UN premises, and a blatant disregard of a civilian population. The White House says Israel's combat operations in South Gaza should not happen until there are assurances uh, about protecting civilians in the south of Gaza. Have you given, been given any kind of assurances here? Are you confident you can operate there safely? Therefore, we are not confident because there haven't been any safe place until now in the Gaza Strip. Uh, people were initially asked to move from the north to the south, and we have seen that a number of people have been uh, killed in the south. So there haven't been 
any safe place yet. Having said that, we have this week reached more than 1 million people, more than half of the displaced people in the Gaza Strip being sheltered in the UN premises. And we will continue to ask the Israeli authorities and the warring parties to make sure that these places be respected in line with their obligation with international humanitarian law. How dire is the humanitarian situation? Listen, I went back last week to Gaza for the second time. The situation is much worse than what I saw the first time. Just to give you an example, I visited uh, the vocational training center of uh, UNRWA. We are sheltering 35,000 people there. I met uh, a, a father with his five children. They live in a four square meter makeshift, basically sleeping on the floor, no mattress, no blanket, winter is coming. And all of a sudden, he's bursting into tears and saying, well, uh, my dignity has been uh, stripped. Yes. And his story is a story of uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people in the Gaza Strip. And we'll hear more from Philippe Lazzarini in our next half hour, plus World Food Program Director Cindy McCain. For more information on their organizations and how you can help, visit WFP.org and UNRWA.org. We'll be right back with a lot more Face the Nation. Stay with us. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Face the Nation and our conversation with Philippe Lazzarini of the UN Relief Agency for Palestine Refugees. Um, Mr. Commissioner General, how much aid is getting into Gaza now as part of this diplomatic deal? Since uh, today, since the beginning of the truce, uh, we have seen a significant increase of trucks entering into Gaza. Uh, I would say until Thursday, we had an average of 40 trucks which was uh, far, far, far too little compared to the immense need uh, in the Gaza Strip. And now, I would say over the last three days, uh, we had an average of uh, 160 to 200 trucks uh, crossing uh, Rafah and entering into, into Gaza. Uh, having said that, uh, I do believe that the 200 are hardly enough for a humanitarian response. If we want to reverse the impact of the siege in the Gaza Strip, we need also commercial flow. I want to ask you, sir, about your organization, which continues to be um, criticized by some in Israel, including their intelligence minister, who published an op-ed recently in the Jerusalem Post, and she said uh, UNRWA has done zero to help the Palestinian people, even though it has an annual budget of over a billion dollars. She argued that the international community should instead fund the costs of moving Palestinians to other countries. I wonder how you respond to that. You know that UNRWA has a mandate from the General Assembly and basically is requested to provide protection and assistance to the Palestinian refugees across the region, not only in Gaza, until today there is a fair and lasting political solution. Since then, when we refer to the $1 billion budget, we have in our school uh, more than half a million girls and boys uh, doing education from grade one to grade uh, nine. 
we have more than 2 million people benefiting from our primary health, not only in Gaza, but also in Lebanon, in Syria, in Jordan, in the West Bank, and in Eastern Jerusalem. And resettling the re all of the Palestinians, I imagine you would strongly disagree with. The UNRWA does not have the mandate from the General Assembly right. to resettle the Palestinian refugees. Uh, the assumption is there needs to be a political solution, uh, a lasting one, and uh, that's the way an organization like ours uh, would then phase out. Unfortunately, for 75 years, there haven't been any of such a solution. And basically, we are dealing with the longest-lasting, unresolved conflict. Understood. We will continue watching what happens, Commissioner General. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Mark. And we turn now to the Executive Director of the World Food Program, Cindy McCain, also part of the United Nations. Um, uh, Director McCain, we just heard this ceasefire is bringing some aid into Gaza, but... UNICEF just published some information saying that there is a life-threatening form of malnutrition in children that could increase by nearly 30% in Gaza. Weakened immune systems, weight loss, death from illness like common cold and diarrhea. They are talking simply about the children who make up half the population. What are you doing to prevent this from happening? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, the, the bottom line here is that we need to get more aid in, as, uh, as has been said. Uh, we are looking at uh, possible, possibly being on the brink of famine in this region. Uh, this is something that's not only terrific, but it will spread. And, and with that comes disease and, and everything else that you can imagine. Bottom line, we need more trucks in, we need more aid in, we need to be able to have more access to be able to distribute the aid. Uh, and, and, you know, hopefully maybe a longer time to do that, not just four days. Uh, we look forward to, to making sure that we can work with all of our partners on the ground and in the area to make sure that this can happen. And I want to thank the Egyptians for being so helpful in all of this. UNICEF also said approximately 30 thousand children under the age of five in Gaza had stunted growth. And this was even mm -hmm. before the war began. Right. Why? Well, I, it, the access for aid, again, uh, prior to the war and then, of course, since the war, has been an issue all along. And the ability to, ma to make sure that, that these children get the proper nutrients, not just food, but the proper nutrients in this. Uh, it's a terrific situation. It's a, it's, it, is, it is a massive, catastrophic event that is, is occurring, and it will cross regions as it happens. Uh, we have got to be able to get in there. And not only that, we have to make sure uh, that we can safely have access to be able to feed the people that we need to feed. So far, we've fed about 110,000 since the, since the ceasefire, but we need to do a lot more than that. For the next generations, uh, no doubt. Um, I, I know you are looking at the entire globe here, and there is a lot of need right now. Um, I read that the World Food Program had to cut off 10 million people in Afghanistan. In Africa, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you've announced you have to end food aid for more than a million people in Chad, suspend aid in Nigeria, in Kar and Cameroon. How do you possibly prioritize need and how do you decide who to cut off? Oh, it's it, I, Margaret. It's something that keeps me awake at night, and I, I that that's the honest truth. Uh, it's very difficult to do, but the the problem is 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 not is not just the, the, the ability to not be able to feed, but it's the, pro the problem is the world needs to step up and help us. Uh, we, it, cutting off 10 million people, primarily women and children in Afghanistan, is de it's deadly. It will, it will kill the country. So we've got to be able to make sure that we can get aid in, and more importantly, we need our countries around the world, not just the United States, but every country in the world, to step up and help us to feed people who cannot feed themselves. Themselves. The last time we spoke, you emphasized um, that some countries could provide technology, advice on how to do it if they don't want to kick in money. Mm -hmm. China, of course, is one of those countries that's been pressed to do more here. Are you seeing anything more? 
Well, I'm seeing other countries, yes, step up and offer things and begin to work with us on a daily basis to see how we can better improve uh, not just not just what we we give, but how it's grown and and can be grown with less water, more technology. Uh, it, it's a it's a series of things to try to combat not only climate change, but the, the effects of COVID as well as conflict. Mm-hmm. It's a long range prospect, but we do need the technology. And specifically, the crisis was made worse by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which is such a breadbasket for the world. How significant is that conflict now on supply? Well, it, it, as you know, it has, it has managed to really devastate many countries, uh, not just from not having enough grain to be able to, to distribute, but also uh, enough money to be able to do that. Uh, the, the, the Russian invasion has caused catastrophic effects that have dribbled all the way down through Africa, as was mentioned, and so forth. Uh, it, Ukraine was very significant in all of this. We are getting grain out. As you know, it's going in different directions, uh, but we are getting some out. But we, this is a catastrophic event, as I said, and it's affected nearly every country in the world. Well, uh, Director McCain, We thank you for working on these hard issues and your time today. We turn now to the senior Colorado Democratic Senator, Michael Bennett. Good morning to you, Senator. Good morning, Margaret. Well, when Congress comes back from this break, they have a lot of work to do. I understand you are part of a small group who has worked during the break on this very tough issue regarding the U.S. border and President Biden's request for about $14 billion to help with it. Where do you talk stand now? Well, I think the, the really important thing that there's broad bipartisan support for in the Senate right now is that we've got to get a recognition that we've got to get the Ukraine funding done as part of this package. We've got to get the Israel funding done, the humanitarian funding done, and the funding for Southeast Asia as well. There are some Republicans who have said that in order to do that, in order to have that vote, They want to see something done on the border. And I think we have had good conversations over the last several days and before that, trying to see if we can get to some sort of solution. I believe, of course, that the Ukrainian people have earned a vote to to support them uh, without a negotiation on the U.S. border. But there are others in the Senate who feel differently, and we're trying to see if we can get to a solution. And you mentioned that because, as I understand it, the indication in the Republican-held House is that border needs to be bundled with Ukraine aid in order to get it through. Is that still the case? That is what, yeah, that is still the case from the House. I mean, when you think about what the the courage of the Ukrainian people has meant for humanity, um, it really has been extraordinary. They have taken back over half the territory that Putin took from them, they have rendered the back Black Sea fleet, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Putin's Black Sea fleet, uh, can't do what what they've tried to do. So the grain you were talking about w- with Cindy McCain is actually going out because of what the Ukrainian people did. And now the United States, I think, has an obligation to continue to support them in this fight, not just for Ukraine, but a fight for democracy. And I I don't know whether the House will come to the conclusion that. That's enough for them. So we're continuing to see if there's something we can do on the border. My my view is there's always room to make our immigration system better on behalf of the American people. And I hope people of good faith can come together and reach a solution. OK, so on that front, if, if your leverage here is the border, tell me, what is the sticking point at this this stage? Is it still that um, Republicans are pressing to tighten qualifications for claiming asylum and there's some democratic resistance? Is it resistance to including dreamers? What are the specifics that you're actually able to tackle? Well, the, obviously, I would love it if we could include the dreamers in this, in this package. 90% of the American people believe that the dreamers should have a pathway to citizenship. There has been a discussion about whether or not we ought to think about changing the asylum standard. One of the things we all have to recognize, I think, as Americans, is that over the last 10 years, gangs south of the border have created a billion-dollar business that's smuggling human beings across the entire world. 
to the southern border, and the southern border, as a result of that, is being undermined and 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 is being more much more difficult to manage. That's been a problem in Republican and Democratic and you know administrations. Mm-hmm. And if we can find a way to help fix that in a bipartisan way, that would be great. The point I'm trying to make is that. Uh, whether we succeed or not in terms of getting to that agreement, this Ukraine funding has to happen for the sake of democracy and for the sake of the Western world. Putin, you know, believes he could lose on the battlefield in Ukraine. The battlefield he's trying to win on is the battlefield on Capitol Hill. Mm. And Democrats and Republicans have got to come together to make sure that doesn't happen. Do you have clear guidance from Leader Schumer on how he wants this to play out in the next few weeks? I mean, you're running out of time in 2023. We're running out of time in 2023. I've literally talked to uh, Leader Schumer almost every day except Thanksgiving and his birthday over the course of this uh, holiday weekend. I've had the chance to talk to Democrats and Republicans individually. Everybody knows what's at stake here, and everybody knows how short the time is. You said at the beginning of this interview, Congress has a lot of work to do. That's true. For once, we should do that work. Instead of playing politics, the stakes are just too high. On the uh, other conflict that we haven't talked about, Uh, with Israel and Hamas. President Biden said when he was asked, it is a worthwhile thought raised by some Democrats that there should be conditions placed on Israel aid. Now, you heard the National Security Advisor avoid any specifics there. Um, Are you asking for any conditions to be placed on aid to Israel? I haven't so far, but I think that's a debate we're going to certainly we're going to have in the coming days. In the meantime, it's critical that everybody understand that Hamas, you know, is a terrorist organization that that Israel has to defend itself, that it's been made much more difficult because of Hamas's use of civilians uh, Mm -hmm. as as human shields and that it is incumbent on Israel notwithstanding that and notwithstanding that difficult uh, issue to meet the highest standard. That's critically important for Israel to make sure that they kill as few civilians as possible uh, as they defend themselves against Hamas uh, and that they subscribe to the rule of law. And I, I know we're going to have a debate about that uh, in the Congress, and, and perhaps we should. But mm-hmm. we have always disappointed ourselves when we've not met the highest standards when we've been in armed conflict. And I think Israel is going to be facing that high standard as well, which is the right standard for Israel, for those of us that support Israel, and the right standard for those of us that have high aspirations for democracy, which those of us that are supporting both Israel and Ukraine at this moment have. All right. Senator, we'll continue to track the work you're able to get done. We'll be back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We go now to Republican Congressman Ken Buck, also from the state of Colorado. He announced his retirement from Congress earlier this month. Good morning to you, sir. You still got a bit of business to handle uh, in these next few weeks, that's for sure. Um, Congress has a lengthy to-do list, reauthorizing the FAA, finishing the defense bill, taking on all of these supplemental requests from President Biden. Can you get all of that done in the remaining weeks? 
We can. Uh, we have three weeks of legislative business ahead of us, um, if not more, and uh, we can get those things done, and they're very important to get done. You have, um, on that issue of Ukraine, which I understand is controversial among some Republicans, you are part of the Freedom Caucus. That's put you more to the, to the right of your party, but you are for aid to Ukraine. I'm wondering if you think it is possible to do what Senator Bennett Bennett just laid out and said was essential, which is have that aid passed no matter what, uh, you know, even if it doesn't get bundled with the border bill. I think it's absolutely essential to get aid to Ukraine. I think President Biden has slow walked different types of military equipment that Ukraine has needed. And we need to make sure that they have the very best equipment um, and support that we can give them in in fighting the Russians. I hope it gets done. The question, uh, Margaret, is always where does the money come from? And so to uh, expect that the Democrats help us find ways to pay for the Israel aid and the Ukraine aid, I think is absolutely fair for the Senate. We've already sent the Israel aid to the Senate. It is sitting there, has been for weeks. Um, They have done nothing. Um, I I think that's irresponsible. We need to work together to find ways to pay for this aid and then to make sure that both the Israel aid and the Ukraine aid are are sent to those countries. Well, you voted against this latest short-term spending bill to keep the government open. Um, Do you anticipate that the new Speaker of the House Um, Speaker Johnson will face more of a rebellion from from the right flank of your party if he tries to partner with Democrats on this. I I don't think that uh, most Republicans blame Speaker Johnson for the problems that uh, he is now facing, the challenges he's facing. Those were created during the McCarthy time period, um, and uh, Speaker Johnson is doing a good job to work his way through those issues. So, no, I don't think he's going to face a rebellion. I think he's going to face support when he finds ways to reduce our national spending, our $36 trillion debt at the end of next year, $1 trillion of of, uh, uh, money that is being spent to service that debt. Those are real existential issues that America needs to deal with. And I think Speaker Johnson's going about it the right way. Does that mean Speaker Johnson has been working through the break and has a plan to do this and a way to pay for it in the next three weeks? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Israel aid uh, was conditioned on the but that's dead on arrival in the Senate. And the president said he would 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 veto that as structured. Well, and and the Democrats are going to own that. If we don't get aid to Israel, they haven't sent a package back to us and said we don't agree with all of these cuts. We agree with some of them. Um, and and if the Democrats want to hold up Israel aid, that's up to them. I think it's important that we find ways to pay for uh, the the needs that Israel has and Ukraine has um, and and to do it in a responsible way. Okay. well, we'll have to see if that can get done. I want to ask you about how we introduced you, which was mentioning your retirement. Um, We've seen a tremendous number of retirements announced in just the past few weeks. It's the highest number of retirements in a single month for over a decade. You said too many Republican leaders are lying to America. Who do you have in mind when you said that? I have uh, everybody who thinks that the election was stolen or or talks about the election being stolen is lying to America. Um, That's everyone um, that that is that is making that argument. Everyone who makes the argument that January 6th was, uh, you know, a unguided tour of the Capitol is lying to America. Everyone who says that the prisoners who are being uh, prosecuted right now for their involvement in January 6th, uh, that, that they are somehow political prisoners or that they didn't commit crimes. Those folks are lying to America. As a Republican Party, if we're going to offer good, solid policy answers to the, the, the real challenges we face in America, we've got to get past the lies and we've got to have credibility with the American public. And, and I think we can do that, but uh, we have to move forward. But you know that the Speaker of the House tried to reverse the 2020 election results by signing on to that Texas amicus brief. By CBS standards, that makes him an election denier. But you support him. I do support him. I I signed on to that brief also. And I believe that going through the courts to challenge an election is absolutely proper. And it's been done dozens of times in in, uh, American history. 
was wrong is to try to stop a, a, a legal function, a, a legislative function like counting the votes um, in an election uh, as, as happened on January 6th. Uh, Mike was not the leader of the party at the time that uh, so many Republicans voted against uh, the, the certification of electors. Does he need to be more um, clear, and, and though, And while I disagree now? with some of his... I, I hope he is. I hope he becomes more clear. I hope all of the, my Republican colleagues become more clear mm-hmm. and recognize the fact that Joe Biden is an existential threat to this country. And we need to defeat him. And we do that with someone who's not lying to the country. Well, Congressman Ken Buck, we uh, appreciate your time on this uh, post Thanksgiving holiday weekend. We have some good news we want to share with all of you just out of Gaza. We have learned from a source with knowledge that four-year-old American Abigail Idan is in the custody now of the Red Cross. The Qatari Foreign Ministry also says 39 Palestinians will be released by Israel as part of this latest hostage swap uh, in exchange for those prisoners being released. We will be right back. Before we go today, we want to pay tribute to our friend and colleague, Ricardo Rick Whitson, who died last week at the age of 57 years old. He was a talented lighting director adored by us here, and our thoughts and prayers go to his family and friends at this hour. For Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Qatari Prime Minister Sheikh Mohammed bin Abdurrahman Al Thani, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, the Commissioner General of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East, Philippe Lazzarini, World Food Program Executive Director, Cindy McCain, Colorado Democratic Senator, Michael Bennett, and Colorado Republican Congressman, Ken Buck. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Shelley Schwartz. Face the Nation originates in CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network on Sundays at 1.30, 4, 10 p.m. Eastern, and again at 4 a.m. the next morning. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount+. Plus. If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.